Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mummy Movie Podcast, where we are looking at the 2003 comedy horror Bubba Hotep. First things first, I would like to thank Kristen Yao for suggesting this film. It's one I've been aware of for a while, though I've always been a bit hesitant to cover it. This is largely because the concept here is incredibly bizarre, as well essentially what we're dealing with here is um, an elderly Elvis Presley fighting a mummy in a care home. Though I will admit, I'm happy that I'm covering it now, and I actually found the film highly surprising. I shall get into why during the review section of the episode. In terms of the format as a whole, we shall start with a look at the background information to the film, then a look at the historical accuracy, and finally I shall review the film and then rate it out of 10. But before then, it is time for my dramatic intro. Right, you are currently lying in your bed, your joints aching as you think of the strange growth in a rather personal place. As you lie there, your mind instead begins to wander back in time to your former glories, though with fame came pressure and fake friends. As such, you switched places with an impersonator so that you could get back to what was really important, the music. However, all of this had to come to an end after an accident. And now, for many years, you have been in a care home. As you stare at the door, you feel as if there is a presence there. Then suddenly, disturbing images flash before your eyes, leaving your hands trembling. Little do you realise that all of this is leading to the battle of a lifetime. Soon, you will have to take on the ancient Egyptian soul-sucking mummy. Baba Hotep. Hello. 
Now, I shall start this next section by admitting a small mistake I made at the end of last episode. I said that this film was released in 2002, but on further investigation, it looks like it was actually released on the 19th of September 2003. On this date, it was only released in two theatres, and on its best day, it was only released in 25 theatres, so we are talking about an incredibly small release here. In terms of the budget, there is conflicting information, though it is likely either half a million dollars or one million dollars. Either way, at the box office, it bought in about 1.2 million. According to Bruce Campbell, best known for the Evil Dead series, he plays Elvis in this film. He was first approached about the role in 2000, before the film even had funding. He was immediately interested and was also interested in working with the director, Don Cascarelli. This was largely because in the last few films he had been working with less experienced directors and was getting a bit fed up with it. Don Coscarelli had most noticeably worked on the first four Phantasm films, and in fact, much of the crew who worked on the Phantasm series also worked on this film. Bubba Hotep was actually based on a novella of the same name, written by Joe R. Lansdale. And in fact, at one part in the film, Elvis names his medicine bag Mocho Mojo. This is actually the name of one of Joe R. Lansdale's other stories. Interestingly, throughout the film, there is absolutely no Elvis Presley music played. Apparently, this was because the rights to such music would have cost about half the film's budget. In fact, even in one scene where we see the elderly Elvis Presley watching a Elvis movie marathon on TV, all of the clips shown are actually of actors who looked like Elvis, but you never get to see their faces. In terms of the cast, as already stated, Bruce Campbell plays Elvis Presley. Ozzy Davies also appears. He is known for films such as the 1998 version of Dr. Doolittle, where he plays Eddie Murphy's father the 1997 legal thriller The Client, and Grumpy Old Men from 1993. In this one, he plays a man who, despite being African-American, believes he is John F. Kennedy. Finally, the actual mummy in the film is played by the American stuntman Bob Ivey. Okay, we have now arrived at the historical accuracy section. So here, I shall simply go over the film, looking at the Egyptian themes presented, and saying what the film gets right and wrong. And once again, I'm going to guess I'm the first person to ever do this for this film. Shocking, I know. I am indeed privileged to bring you such a valuable service, and one that clearly everyone is asking for. The opening of this film starts with a statement on the word Hotep. It reads thus, Hotep relative or descendant of the 17 Egyptian dynasties, 3100 to 1550 BC. 2. Family surname of an Egyptian pharaoh. Well, firstly, depending on who you ask, there are actually either 30 or 31 Egyptian dynasties, though some Egyptologists would actually extend this even further, because... There is evidence for a unified Egypt, or one that's slowly unifying even earlier than this. As such, there are also proposed dynasties such as Dynasty Zero 
and even a Dynasty 00 before then. Often, these dynasties are also called the Proto-Dynastic Period, where we see the formation of the Egyptian state. However, in fairness to the film, the first 17 dynasties did roughly stretch between 3100 and 1550 BC, so it does kind of get that bit right. However, Hotep was not a surname in ancient Egypt, and in fact, they didn't really have the concept for surnames at all. Instead, it was part of the name, and it basically meant it's satisfied. So, for instance, if someone was called, say, Rahotep, it would mean Ra, so the sun god, is satisfied. It is probably worth noting, however, that there were plenty of pharaohs after the 17th dynasty that had Hotep in their name. Not least the actual pharaoh mentioned at the beginning of this film, Amenhotep. In fact, there were four pharaohs called Amenhotep, with the last one changing his name to Akhenaten. If you want to know more about that, I would look him up. He's a very interesting pharaoh. Basically, during his reign, he made it illegal to worship most of the Egyptian gods and sort of put the Aten, so the disk of the sun, at the centre of all worship. Very controversial man, but one I have spoken about on previous episodes a few times, so I'm not going to go into it too much here. Though, importantly, it is worth noting that all of these pharaohs named Amenhotep came from the 18th dynasty. In fairness, in the opening scene we see this pharaoh's tomb being cleared, and it is stated that the tomb was found near Luxor. This is accurate as during the 18th dynasty it was indeed where the pharaohs were buried. Specifically, generally they were buried in the Valley of the Kings, for the most part anyway. During this scene, we also see all of Amenhotep's priests being brought out of the tomb, and it is claimed that they had not seen the sun for the last 4,000 years. To start with, the priests would not have been buried alongside the pharaoh in the same tomb. This just wasn't a practice that was done in ancient Egypt, especially not from the 18th dynasty. Further, the earliest pharaoh named Amenhotep died in 1550 BC, so it would have been closer to 3,500 years, if we are being picky. During the film, we find out that the mummy has a fun little sidekick, a scarab beetle. Despite looking a bit funky, it is worth noting that such beetles were very important in ancient Egypt, and had a lot of symbolism behind them. One of the many amulets that got placed on the deceased after mummification was a scarab beetle, more specifically a dung beetle, which got placed on the heart and was inscribed with spell 30b of the Book of the Dead. This spell was associated with one of the trials the deceased was supposed to go through in the afterlife, called the weighing of the heart ceremony. Basically, during the deceased's journey through the afterlife, they would arrive at a place known as the Hall of Justice. Here, not only would their heart be weighed on a pair of scales against the feather of Ma'at, so in this context that would be the feather of truth, but they would also have to give negative confessions to 42 judges around the hall. These negative confessions were things like, I did not steal, I did not kill, I did not sleep with a married woman, that kind of thing. Essentially, Spell 30b made sure that whilst the deceased was saying these negative confessions, their heart would not give them away. For instance, if they said, I did not kill, but they actually had killed someone, then the inscription on the scarab beetle 
would essentially tell the heart to not give away the lie. As this ceremony was integral for the deceased reaching the field of reeds, which was kind of the ancient Egyptian version of heaven, it is fair to say that this amulet was very important. Scarab beetles were also strongly associated with the god Capri, who had a very important role in the resurrection of the sun each morning. Basically, as I have spoken about before on this podcast, every day Ra, the sun god, would rise in the east and travel across the sky. As he did, he would grow older until he would die and sink into the underworld in the west. Then he would travel through the underworld, where he would be regenerated, and then he would be born again in the east, and so the eternal cycle would continue. When it came to dung beetles, the Egyptians noticed that they would roll their dung along the ground in a large ball. Very often, the dung beetle would also keep its spawn in this ball, and so other dung beetles would emerge from it. To the ancient Egyptians, it almost looked as if the ball of dung was creating the new beetles. So as the dung beetle rolled their ball of dung along the ground, Capri, who was associated with dung beetles, rolled Ra, the sun out from the underworld each morning, helping him to resurrect. So, in fairness, although the film has certainly not put that much thought into this scarab beetle, and has almost certainly just used it because it's a pretty typical mummy film trope, it is fair to say that thematically the scarab beetle does at least fit here. Finally, in this section, JFK says something quite interesting in this film. He claims that the mummy was buried without a name. Once again, this has almost certainly been ripped straight out of other mummy movies, but it is also fair to say that names were of the utmost importance to the ancient Egyptians. Not only were they the very essence of someone's identity, but they were also vital for that individual's survival in the afterlife. According to the ancient Egyptians, you had to be remembered in order to survive in the afterlife. Also, very often when it came to giving offerings to the deceased, you had to speak their name first. So without a name, not only would you not be remembered, but you would also not be able to receive the offerings needed to sustain you in the afterlife. Very often, if an individual was disgraced, they would have their names scratched off of inscriptions and monuments, and in other instances, they would have their names mutilated and changed. For instance, their name might be changed to Hated by Ra, or something like that. So essentially, the idea of someone having their name removed is very much something that happened in ancient Egypt. Overall, therefore, obviously there is not that much when it comes to historical accuracy. We are, after all, talking about a film about a cowboy-style mummy called Baba Hotep fighting an elderly Elvis Presley in a care home. Though, purely due to the fact that the film relies on tropes of other mummy movies, there are a few things of note here. For a start, the mummy having a pet scarab beetle, whilst very silly, does at least have some associations with the afterlife. Further, the ancient Egyptians did remove the names of disgraced individuals. However, the film also claims that Hotep was a surname in ancient Egypt, where surnames were not really a thing. Further, it does seem to imply that there were only 17 dynasties, 
when in reality there were at least 30, if not more. Okay, we have now arrived at the review section. So here I shall simply talk about the film, saying what I liked and disliked, and then rate it out of 10. To begin with, the premise here is insane, and I do not mean that in a negative way by any means. As silly as it is, it is also very eye-catching and did make me interested in watching it. I will also say, the film was definitely not what I expected. I went into this expecting a shallow comedy that although maybe quite funny didn't really have much substance. And don't get me wrong, the film is incredibly silly. But we also do see a fair amount of character development here, and the characters are more three-dimensional than the premise would imply. A lot of this comes from the monologue that Elvis has going on in its head throughout the film, which comes off as surprisingly pensive. As throughout the film, not only does he focus on his past, but there is also a lot of discussion about his own mortality. So where there are a lot of laughs to be had here, there are also moments that come off as surprisingly sombre and thought-provoking. That is something that I never thought I'd say about a film that focuses on an elderly Elvis Presley fighting a mummy in a care home, though in fairness, I also never thought I'd be watching such a film in the first place. Further, the actual setting of this film is very unnerving. The way it is shot seems to strip away any life from the building and make it seem more like a derelict hospital than an old people's home. Basically, any element of homeliness is missing, and that does actually work really well for the film and adds a certain sadness to the situation that Elvis Presley has found himself in. Further, the actual backstory given here is pretty good. Elvis essentially switches places with an impersonator as he realises that with fame, things become more complex and friends become faker. As such, he switches places with an impersonator so that he can get back to what he originally liked about his lifestyle. So, the film, as well as being silly, does have a strangely serious side to it. That being said, there is also a lot here that is really funny, and the film does have a tendency to become sillier as it goes along. For a start, Ozzy Davies playing a black JFK did definitely make me giggle. You know, it's just incredibly silly. And in general, I thought he was one of the highlights of the film. He kind of took the position of the expert on the mummy, though he was clearly very delusional. Once again, this is very much leaning on a classic horror trope where you have the man who no one listens to being the one who actually knows the truth. Further, I very much enjoyed the scenes with the scarab beetle. They did legitimately make me laugh. The best of these is where Elvis Presley fights a scarab beetle with a bedpan in his room. The, the scarab beetle has a fun little squeal as he attacks, which just makes an already silly scenario even funnier. The best part of this fight for me was when Elvis trapped the scarab inside of the bedpan against the wall. Then, when he pulls the bedpan away, the beetle is gone. As he turns around, the camera shows the beetle grabbing onto the edges of the bedpan like Spider-Man, just waiting for its chance to ambush him. Don't get me wrong, humour is very subjective, 
But the randomness of an elderly Elvis Presley fighting a giant scarab beetle with a bedpan is kind of hard not to at least smirk at. This is also very much helped by Bruce Campbell's performance here, as he effortlessly switches between pensive and humorous, ensuring that the correct tone is always struck. It is fair to say that this film is definitely not for everyone. It is undeniably very rude after all, though in fairness, it also does not pretend to be for everyone, and for myself the humour did land. As I've already said, the film also becomes much sillier as it goes along, leading up to the final battle with the mummy, where you have JFK in a motorised cart, and Elvis on a Zimmer frame fighting a mummy dressed as a cowboy. And with that sentence, I genuinely can't believe I called this film thought-provoking earlier. But legitimately, the film does switch between insanely silly and pensive really effectively, and this final scene is a lot of fun. On the downside, however, I will say the film's approach does make it a little bit slow at points, though I will also admit I don't think I was ever really bored. In terms of the reviews for this film, they were surprisingly good. On Rotten Tomatoes, both the critical and audience scores are 79%, and according to the consensus, it is the best film to star both the King and JFK. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I can't really argue with that. Then, on IMDb, it has a 6.9 out of 10. Generally, here, many of the reviews talk about how original the film is, and one or two people were shocked by how good and thought-provoking it was. It is seen as something of an underrated cult classic. You have to scroll quite far down, in fact, before you find any bad reviews, but generally, they felt that the film was quite uneven and a little dull and repetitive at times. For myself, I normally have a rule when it comes to rating films. If a film is so bad that it is good, it can achieve no higher than 6 out of 10. So, for examples of this, look at my episodes on Dawn of the Mummy or The Scorpion King 4. But basically, all of the higher scores are reserved for films that are actually good for their intended purpose. I'm giving this film a 7 out of 10. I am genuinely shocked that I am saying that, but this is actually a good film, and for the reason it was made. It is fair to say that the film is a bit slow at points, and I do kind of get some of the reviews. I, I get what they mean when they say it's a bit repetitive. However, not only is it genuinely funny, but as already said by both me and apparently others, it is genuinely thought-provoking. I had a lot of fun watching this, and it is one of the more bizarre films that I would recommend. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. I certainly hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please consider liking and subscribing. And join me next time, where we shall be looking at the 2019 film Mummy Rebirth. This is a film that I will admit I'm slightly terrified to watch. Not because it's particularly scary or anything like that, it's just the reviews for it are absolutely horrendous. Though, in fairness, I do tend to find that badly reviewed films work especially well for this podcast, so, you know, it could be a lot of fun. So, I hope you all have an amazing rest of your week, and I'll see you then.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.